we've been talking about the Christian life and how practical it is and uh, how there are some principles that we can practice. Amen. Last week I closed out about the using your spiritual gifts that God has gifted every believer in this church with a spiritual gift. And uh, you have to unpackage that. Practical. You got to use it. Amen. Uh, if God has blessed you uh, to do something and you can do it for his glory, you do it in the church. Amen. Why? Because this is how God is extending his arms. This is, a, this is, this is practical, right? And so I wanted to give you, I, I, may, I may stay two weeks here, but I want to show you something. Uh, I want to take a turn here in practical. Amen. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Micah, Old Testament uh, prophet, minor prophet. Not minor because he's minor, but minor because the book is very short. Amen. And then you have your major prophets and you have the minor prophets. Amen. And that's what a minor prophet is. Amen. And so God, um, I, I told you last week that, that God have no, he has no use for prophets anymore. Because he uses the preacher, amen, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. The prophet was the one who was receiving the word to document the word. But God would send prophets at that time to Israel to proclaim his plan. All right. Whenever there's something was going on in society, God would send a prophet and say, hey, tell the people thus and thus. Right. Uh, kind of like what he does today with the pastor. He bring, you come together and he uses the word of God and he says something to you in your life to help you, right? Well, the prophets were receiving firsthand the word from God, right? And they were documenting at that time what was going on based on the culture, based on what was happening at, the particu at that particular time. The book of Micah is written in the background where the people were, had lost their minds. Stuff was going on. It was rough. It was hard. Amen. And God sent a messenger with a message. And I want to show you something here. It says in verse 7, I'm breaking into the middle of, of what he's already said, and I'll explain that in a minute. He said, but as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation, my God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. I want to talk about this morning, you will rise again. You will rise again. Practical. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you will rise again. Amen. Amen. How many believe that? Oh, y'all don't act like you believe it. How many believe that? That you will rise again. Brick walls, dead ends, repeated cycles. It seems at times in life, is full of nowheres. I wish I had somebody. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. 
One thing that catches the new believer by surprise, though, is suffering. One of the, one of the most damaging things to a new believer is the fact that they don't understand why, since they gave their life to Jesus, that they have to suffer. Many people have the wrong idea about suffering. They wonder. They say, man, I've given my life to Jesus. Everything should be going good for me. Amen. I, should, I shouldn't be suffering like this. I should not be going. Didn't I, didn't I surrender? Isn't that what he wanted? Is this not what God wanted from me? Only to find out is the total opposite. Amen. Some people think it's all about a good time, blessings, etc., etc., and it is. Amen. But I realized something, that God has a purpose for everything. Everything that happens to you after you get saved, amen, it is purposed. Amen. It is planned. And not only that, but God will not exempt you from trial. God will not exempt you from suffering just because you have given your life to him. As a matter of fact, I don't know if sometimes we think we're doing him a favor by getting saved. I wish I had somebody. The suffering, though, is almost like orientation. Amen. God has to test you. You got to understand something about testing in the believer's life. The testing in the believer's life is not to test you to destroy you it is to test you to bring out what's in you it's a different kind of test it is the test of genuineness oh i wish i had somebody it is the test to change your motive it is the test to bring you to maturity so that you can come to appreciate the blessings that he has for you I know a lot of us right now, some of you have fallen. Some of you have uh, hit rock bottom. Amen. Time and time again, every time you get up. Amen. Every time you seem like you're doing good, it seems like you fall right back down. But tell your neighbor, I will rise again. Come on, somebody. You're not going to stay down too long. There are times... When you may feel like it's never going to get better. There's going to be times when you're going to say to yourself, listen to me real good, I've been there. Why bother? What's the point? I can, I can find some easier ways. Come on, somebody. I can find some easier ways to get through my circumstance. Amen. May I encourage you today that you may have fallen, but you'll get back up again. You may be in a transition right now, but you will be transformed. Come on, somebody. You may be at the bottom right now, but I want to tell you something. Soon and very soon, you will rise again. Do I have anybody? Your current circumstance will not be the same because you will rise again. Trouble don't last always. Come on, somebody. And I'm trying to encourage you this morning to let you know that part of God's program, part of God's process is to take you and I and put us in the refinery 
in the refining fire to test our will, to test our purposes, amen, to pull out in us what's really there. You know, you don't know, really know if you've overcame cussing until you get put in a situation where you have to cuss. You understand what I'm saying? You don't know if you've overcome anger unless you go up to Timmy Chan and they didn't give you the right order and then you pull out and you're heading home and you're halfway in Missouri City and then you open the bag and then you got to turn back around and then your anger is steaming and you, you're like, come on, man, come on. When I get there, I'm going to give them peace of my mind. You don't understand. Don't mess with my chicken. Do I have witness? See, I've stopped using all the explicit stuff because, you know, we got kids. I'm maturing <laughs> in my presentation. You understand what I'm saying? You know, you, you know and that troubles you. You understand what I'm saying? And that, and that burns you up. Amen. Amen. And then you say, man, what's going on? Why am I always being tested? Didn't I, didn't, am I trying to do good? I mean, I'm saying I'm trying to do good. At least, you know, I could, you know, I could be blessed a little bit. But you see, you see, you see, you see, the prophet Micah, his name means who is like God? Who is like Yahweh? See, his name was a reminder. Amen. That when you're going through, you need to ask who is like the Lord? Nobody. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Who is like the Lord? Nobody. And when you serve God, you got to understand practically that problems will come. But it's how you go through it. In chapter 1 to chapter 3 of book of Micah, God, through the prophet, proclaims future judgment to the people. Why? Because they had, in other words, God had filed a lawsuit on them. God had said to them, y'all are tripping. I keep rescuing you and you keep going back. Chapter 4 to chapter 5, God gave them good news. He prophesied about their future glory. He gave them something to hope for. May I ask you a question? When you're going through, what are you hoping for? Where are you going to find hope? Because if you go to God's word, you'll find that he will give you a blueprint to hope. Are you following me? In chapter 6, he told them about repentance. Chapter 7, though, he talks about pardon. He talks about pardoning their sins because God was in sorrow over their lifestyle. Let's take a look at it for a minute. Watch this. Look at verse 5. Let me show you the moral makeup of the people. Look at verse 5. He said, do not trust in a neighbor. See that? See, it's amazing when you can't even trust your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and say, can I trust you? <laughs> This is the moral makeup of everybody at this particular time. This is the moral makeup of the people of God who were supposed to be together, who were supposed to be walking together, loving God together. Now you can't even trust your neighbor. He said, do not have confidence in a friend. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? From her, from her who lies in your bosom, guard your lips. For son treats father contemptuously, daughter rises up against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemy are the men of his own household. Tell your neighbor trouble. 
When you can't even trust the people close to you. When you can't even trust the people close to you. When you can't even get help from the people who say they love you. Anybody? Do I have anybody? When you're looking for help but you can't find none. From people who call themselves friends and family. Come on, man. Come on now. Come on now. He says the people were living in a bad way. And then the writer in the midst of all of this. Do you know what's interesting about this? Verse 6, Jesus quoted this. Amen. He says, brother will betray brother to death. And a, fa and, and, and a father, his child, and the children rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. So the people were tripping. And it's hard to rise when you're by yourself. It's hard to rise when you have no one to rely on. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there when you feel all alone in this journey? Come on and help me somebody. Amen. But, but I want to say this to you. Often we, we, often we only think about how we feel. But we never really think about how God feels about our motives. About our lack of faith, about our lack of trust, about our lack of commitment to him. You see what I'm saying? Do we ever think about how much we hurt him? Come on, somebody. But the writer, the writer now gives us something. And I want to help somebody today. You're not alone in this journey. Now, you could go on and play the pity party if you want. I'm, I'm doing by myself. You, you can go on and do that all you want. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is you cannot do it by yourself. You need family. You need friends. You need people you can trust. You need some people on your side. Come on, some, some of the greatest, greatest deals that's ever made is somebody connected somebody to connected to somebody connected somebody connected somebody and then all of a sudden you rose to the top. Come on, somebody. You can't get there by yourself. You can't do this life by yourself. Amen. You may not have earthly representation, but you got heavenly representation. Are you with me? So, so Micah now says, this is what's happening. I'm looking around, and I see all this stuff is happening. But look what he says in verse 7. He says, he says now listen, I have a choice. Tell your neighbor, choices. I have a choice. I have a choice to do two things. Number one, I can go along with what's happening. Or number two, I can make a choice to do something different. I, I can make a choice to keep playing the fiddle or the violin. I should say fiddle, violin. I can keep having pity parties. Come on, say amen, y'all. Come y'all, I'm losing y'all. I can keep having pity parties. I can keep having these woe is me parties. But Micah says, hold on a minute, stop, wait a minute. How do I rise? Number one, he says, but as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. So if we're going to rise, the first thing we have to do is we have to rise by watching. Now this word watching means to be alert. Stop falling asleep. 
Jesus said to his disciples, let stay right here. I'm going to go over here and pray, right? Because I'm about to die on a cross, right? Can I count on you? Yeah, we got this. <laughs> Come back, Mark is asleep. I'm sorry. Come back, the boy's asleep. Knocked out. Snowing away. They're like, man, yeah, we got you, Jesus. We got you, bro. <laughs> you, why did Jesus ask his disciples? He said, what does watching mean? It means to be alert. The, the writer is saying to Israel, but as for me, I will watch expectantly for who? See, can I ask you a question? Who are you watching for? I told you a couple weeks back, he's returning. He's coming back. And what that watching means is to stay in a state of expectation. You may be down right now, but you got to watch and see what God is doing so that he can pull you up. See, we're watching and expecting something to happen, but we don't really know what's happening. But I can tell you something. I know who the Lord is. And if I watch expectantly, if I have hope, Listen to me. The watching for God would hope that he will show up. And let me tell you something. He's always on time. He'll show up. You and I have to keep our eyes open. Lift your head. Come on, somebody. Stop, stop looking down all the time. Stop looking so dark all the time. Lift our heads. Keep your head up so that you can see that God is doing something in your life. May I encourage you this way? When you feel like you can't, you got to remember that your hope is in the Lord. When everything is crumbling around you, pay attention, watch this, and you will see the Lord as clear as you see the skies. Are you following me? And I want to encourage somebody here today that you are responsible for what you pay attention to. And if you keep focusing on the negative, if you keep focusing on what you don't have, if you keep focusing on things that you're trying to dream about, focus on the Lord and I promise you, he'll show up right on time. Do I have anybody? And I want to encourage you today that though you fall, oh, tell your neighbor, I will rise. Tell your neighbor I'm making a comeback here. Amen. I may be looking bad right now. <laughs> Come on, somebody. But I ain't going to stay down long. You see, the reason why I know I'm not going to stay long, because I'm expecting the Lord. Listen, put it in prayer. I'm expecting God to do something. Anybody expecting him to do something? But here's the problem that we have. Look what he says next. He says, I will, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. Look what he says next. He says, I will what? Wait. <laughs> Come on, help me. Give me the next point. He said, by what? By what? The next thing, by waiting. Here's the thing. What the prophet knows about God is, is this. He knows that God is an on-time God. And he understands something about waiting. Let me tell you something. I know something about waiting. Amen. I know something about begging and I know something about waiting. And I begged and I begged and I begged and I begged and I asked and I've had lots of no, I ain't answering that. 
And then he says one clear word to me one day. And I wrote it down on my notebook. He says, wait. But what you do while you're waiting is important. You can't be waiting and complaining. You can't be waiting and crying. You can't be waiting and saying, oh man, this ain't going to work. I, I've been wait I'm tired of waiting. And that's what the problem is. We get tired of waiting and then we go get involved in what God is doing. And God says, let me work while you. Come on, somebody. He says, I'll wait for the Lord. He says, I will wait for the God of what? My salvation. See, this is where your faith grows. This is where your hope comes in. This is where things start changing in your life. Because while you're waiting, you're seeing yourself. You're seeing how impatient you are. Come on, somebody. You're seeing how weak you are. You're seeing, man, this is some areas I got to work on. These are some things. Use your waiting season as your preparing season. But look, he's waiting on the Lord. He's waiting on who? The Lord. I don't know who you're waiting on. Amen. I don't know who you're waiting on. Somebody's waiting on somebody. Somebody's waiting for somebody to do something for you. But I ask you and I plead with you today to turn your waiting to the Lord. And Micah says, I'm going to wait on him. The God of my salvation. Hope is not wishful thinking. What you do while you waiting is important it develops your trust it develops your hope it develops your peace the bible says the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind listen if you gotta live in a one-bedroom shack for now greater days are coming you will rise because you're waiting on the lord and eventually everything you see everybody else have you're gonna not gonna have what they have you're gonna have something better and when you have the peace of god while you're waiting god will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory but you got to wait on him tell your neighbor wait on him don't lose patience man i i believe that what happens to us y'all we crack at a certain point because we're like man the car breaks this happens that happens he's saying all right, I hear what you're saying, waiting on the Lord, all right. But I got some real needs. <laughs> I got some real issues going on right here. I got some real circumstances happening right here. Okay, but can I ask you, let's pause for a minute. Hold on a second. Check this out. Are you homeless? Do you still got food? Come on, somebody. Do you still have health? There's somebody that's praying to have the health that you have. That somebody is praying for the mind that you have because they can't think no more. Come on, somebody. But waiting on God does not mean that you are alone in your waiting. God will show up in your waiting. And what he's going to do is going to help you to understand that if you get the attitude of the writer and say, I'm going to watch and I'm going to wait. Why? Because I know that I will rise again are you with me look what he says next he says i will wait for the god of my salvation but watch what he says next he says my god 
Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can I ask you a question? I know some of you show up at night of prayer, but when you pray, do you pray like it's going to happen? Or are you wishing for it to happen? See, prayer is not wishing. Prayer is not wishing. Prayer is about this. Prayer is about you knowing that the one that you're waiting on, the one that you're watching for, is going to answer. See, a lot of times, by the time it comes out of our lips to God's ears, it's gone. Because we don't believe it. We don't believe what we've prayed for. He says, I will watch what expectantly. I'm going to wait for God to what? To answer the prayer. Matter of fact, I know he's going to answer. Are you with me? Watch this. Watch this. So the next thing is not by watching, by watching, by waiting, but by worshiping. You know why a lot of us are still down? We don't worship. You, you know what worship is? Worthship. How much is he worth to us? You know what I'm saying? Check this out. My car, I get out there and I detail the tires. You ever get down there and detail them tires? The rims? You know, you get all that dirt out of something, you're like, no, I don't never clean nothing. Shit. I just drive it. Shit. <laughs> but I do worship some other things. My weed box and, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, you know don't touch my weed box. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I had to wake y'all up. See, check it out. I'm, I'm trying to use an illustration that y'all wasn't connecting with. You know what I mean? Like, some of us don't even, we don't even wash the car. We don't wash nothing in the car. Just drive it. Change the oil, do nothing. But some people are, like, meticulous about this stuff, right? That's what worship is like. Worship is like taking care of something. It means so much. I'm trying to help y'all to rise. Would you, would you worship God with me for a minute? Just... Just, just for a few minutes, just start lifting your hand and saying, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to believe, God, that when I ask, you're going to answer because I'm going to rise. But watch this. When I lift my hands and worship, watch this. He's going to grab your hands because you've released all that stuff that you're holding on to. You can't worship God with two hands if you're holding on to that other stuff. So in other words, you got to release something in order to get a lift up. He says, if you worship me, I will pull you up. Listen, you're not going to be in that valley very long because guess what? Because you are expecting me to answer. Hey. So when you open your mouth and you say, God, I'm asking that you would bless me with this job, it's done. Now I'm going to get dressed and I'm going to be sitting by the phone. I'm going to go look at my email. I'm getting ready to walk out this door right now. And I'm going to get to where I need to be because guess what? I've already asked the master. Prayer ain't a mystery. Prayer for the believer is the source of your strength. Watch this. And worship is just you identifying that there's a God who can answer your prayer. Do I have a witness? He says, my God will hear me. I'm going to say it one more time. He will hear me. I'm not doubting no more when I pray. 
that everything I ask the Lord for, he's going to say yes, no, maybe, or wait. And whichever answer he gives me, I'm going to be good with it. With God, there's no no's. See, here's the, the very thing you're praying for, and he said no, you get mad. No, that's an answer. He saved you from that craziness. Did you know you were trying to get it so bad, so bad? <laughs> and you were praying and asking. And he's like, please, God, please, I want this, please. And God said, no, 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 no. And then you're mad. Upset. Don't even want to pray no more. I ain't praying no more. I done gave up on prayer. You know how many people I know gave up on prayer? But you know how many people I know that gave up on God? And they were this close. And the devil stepped in and said, bro, nah, he ain't coming. But if you ever read scripture, he's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. If you ever read scripture, you realize that weeping may endure for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. You got to understand something that you may walk through the valley, but you coming through that thing because on the other side of the valley is your breakthrough. And on the other side of that valley, watch this, it's a table prepared before your enemies. So guess what? So he can put you on display. Why does he put you at the presence of your enemy? The scenery changes from the valley to the table of your enemy. And watch this. He puts you there not for you to get flossed up, but for you to say, thank you, God. Don't you know God like to show you off? Don't you know God like to make you look good in front of people? And especially your enemy? He likes to rub it in their face. Look at you now. But listen, the fast track to success won't work. I found out God likes to slow track. And all that time struggling, man, struggling. Struggle. I struggled for a long time. I'll tell you one time, I struggled for a long time. When I came to Mount Gilead, I had nothing. I'm going to tell you all right now, I had nothing. I had nothing. I was working. I, was, I went from making a bunch of money to making $7.35 an hour. God humbled me. You hear me? He humbled me. And listen, every day I would go to that job complaining every single day. They ain't this. They ain't that. And every day I'm complaining. And God said, didn't you pray for that job? I'm like, yeah, I forgot about that. I did kind of pray for that. And I was praying hard, too. I would go up to the church and come to the altar. Pastor, please pray for me to get this job at Metro. I need this job, Pastor. I need this job. Oh, sure, son. I'll pray for you. And I got the job. Then after three months, man, I'm just complaining. Just complaining. Just complaining every day. And I never forgot. I'm coming down 610 by the Galleria. And the Lord arrested me. He said, man, you better be grateful. Stop complaining. You're working here because I'm preparing you for where you're going. But you can't get mad every time you go to a job you don't like all the time and blame them for the problem. You're the problem. Because you're going there with a bad attitude. 
You go in there like you didn't ask for this, this job. I gave you what you asked for. You should have asked for something better. See, when I figured out about prayer, I'm like, hold on a minute. Man, I should have been praying for something better. I was praying for little stuff. I'm like, man, okay, I figured it out. I need to start praying for stuff I really want, not stuff that's going to suffice. Listen, that's going to just be in the middle. I want stuff I need now. Good stuff. Because that's how God works with prayer. I'll never forget it. When I started liking the job, I changed my attitude, y'all. Tell your neighbor, I changed my attitude. Oh, by the way, you can't rise in no bad attitude. You can't rise in no bad attitude. You can't be complaining every day. I'm talking about every day. I mean, come on, man. Every day? Come on, man. Give, give yourself a break at least one day. Find something to laugh about. Find something to smile about. Come on, y'all. Do y'all have to argue every day? All right. I went there. I mean, every day you had to argue. Every day. Life is tough. Man, listen. Every day. I never forget it. When I started liking the job now, they're like, what's wrong with you? You got a different attitude. I'm like, well, okay. And so they start giving me better shifts and things like that. See, I found out something, right? When you change your attitude, God changes the situation. Okay? We are, very, we are complainers, y'all. We complain too much, y'all. Watch this, watch this, watch this. I never forget, man, I'm driving back down 610. I don't know what it is, me and 610, the Lord had some. <laughs> Got home. We didn't have no cell phones then. And I got a, a message on the answer machine not long ago. Listen, on the answer machine, it was dry as ice cream. You remember that, DeMarcus? Dry as ice cream. Amen. I went from making $7.37 an hour, okay, to 19, no, $21 an hour plus bonuses. And I only worked from 5 a.m. in the morning to 12 noon. Slinging ice cream. Boy, it was, I was so happy. $21 an hour. Listen, we went benefits, 401k, and then I got driver of the month. I was so happy. Listen, I was working. Listen, they, I was first man on deck. But what God was teaching me was gratitude. So he kept me at Metro because he was changing me. Oh, y'all ain't trying to hear me. How many times have you short-circuited your training? That's why you're still there. And God says, I already got something lined up for you. You got to pass orientation. You got to get through that character development. So by worshiping and praising, by worship, worshiping and praying, and then he goes on, then he goes on to say, I got to go on, my time is almost up. Watch this. Yes, we said. He said, now this is the part I really like. Watch this. You ready? Yeah. This is the part I really like. Verse 8. Look at verse 8. Yeah. Do not. Oh, yeah. You may think you got me. See, I love how scripture paints pictures. What is going on here? He goes from watching and waiting, and he addresses his enemies directly. 
Look what he says. He says, do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall. Come on, somebody. Why did he have the confidence to face his enemy and say, you laugh now. Yeah, you look at me now. I may be driving when I'm driving right now. I may be walking right now. Amen. I, I may not have, you know, Louis Vuitton like this brother right here. Okay. You know, I may be buying my clothes from Goodwill, but you keep laughing at me. I know I'm your joke. I know, I know. I know you're laughing at me. But tell your neighbor, I'm going to rise. Tell you, David, I'm going to rise. I may be losing right now, old enemy. But listen, oh, and you think you ain't got no enemies. They hating on you secretly. They eyeing you down. And watch, and then they're in your face too. But with their lips, they're telling you something. But in their hearts, they mean you no good. As a matter of fact, they want to see you down. As a matter of fact, it, you ever see how happy they are around you? Like, Something just ain't right. A little bit too happy around me. <laughs> you can rejoice right now. But tell your neighbor, I'm going to rise. And how do we do that? What's the next step? You ready? By watching? By waiting? What else I say? By worshiping and praying? <laughs> and then the next thing, by... Ah... Now, I went spiritual on y'all because I want y'all to get this. You got to walk in the spirit. That's how you, how you do that. That's foreign for me. First of all, you got to be filled with the spirit. How do you get filled with the spirit? You ask. Holy Spirit, fill me. Walking in the spirit means you're not carrying out the desires of your flesh. See, because when you see your enemies rejoicing, let me tell you what you really want to do. <laughs> got kids in here. You want to, you want to, you want to tell, you want to say some things to your enemies. You know, you want to get, you get angry, you get mad, you get upset. You know what I'm saying? It angers you. You know what I'm saying? How many you get angry? Yeah. See, I know. I already know that's spirited in here. I, <laughs> and some of y'all go from zero to twenty in like split second. Cause you got a lot of anger built up inside of you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to walk in the spirit. The spirit of God will give you a clear vision of that's an enemy right there. But you tell your enemy, you may be laughing now, but I will rise. See, I may be down and you may not be able to help me. But guess what? I'm waiting for somebody that's greater than you that can help me get through this. May I ask you a question? Who are you waiting on? But you got to walk in the spirit. You got to ask God, God, teach me. Teach me to walk in the spirit, God. Teach me to trust you. By walking in the spirit, it means that you're displaying the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kind, this ain't wishful thinking. This is you being controlled by the spirit. It's crazy how when we get to that kind of stuff, like, we check out like, what? Walk in the spirit. You just got to ask God, Lord, fill me with your spirit. 
help me. Sister Hunt has been teaching that to the women, right? The enemies of Israel are all around there waiting for them to fall. But Micah was a man who wouldn't give up on God. Come on, somebody. He knew his limitations and he understood. Here's what he understood, though. He understood. Look what he says. He said, don't rejoice over me. Watch this. Over me, my enemy. Look what he says. Though I fall, I will what? I will rise. Though I dwell tells you where he is right so not only by walking in the spirit are you able to rise but here's the thing you ready by wanting to rise again some of us have given up we've waved the come on somebody we've, we've surrendered to the enemy we've, we, you know what we've done we've said this is it for me Man, you got more potential than you can even imagine. You got to want to rise. Pastor, what does that look like? You got to want a better life. You got to want, stop wishing and start wanting. Stop wishing and start wanting because when you give your life to God, he's going to give you everything you need why he says though i dwell look at the imagery changes right though i dwell in darkness and let me help you with something here's the thing you're gonna fall again you're gonna dwell in darkness again but rise stop giving in and rise if you fall again rise if you if you dwell in darkness rise though you stop get up and go watch this micah knew that god was light and he understood something, that even though darkness was around, light dispels darkness. And you are the light of the world. Stop letting Satan sell you out, making you think you're something else. You're a child of God. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You are a God-given gift to the kingdom of God. And God is saying to you, rise. Stop sitting on the sidelines. Stop thinking you're not good enough and rise. Though you dwell in darkness and you're going to fall many times before, get back to where God wants you. Every fall should make you stronger. Every fall should make you better. Every fall should make you wiser. If it makes you bitter, then you haven't learned your lesson. Are you with me? I, I, I leave you here. When he says, the Lord is the light for me. I'm reminded of Psalm 27. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Stop trying to burn your own light. God is your light. You know, Micah's personal testimony of faith. This is Micah's personal testimony of faith. Watch this. In a dark hour. What will be your testimony of faith in a dark hour? You know, if a driver is going 80 miles an hour and notices a cop parked ahead on the side of the road, They'll slow down. 
In fact, a whole series of things goes through your mind. First of all, them plates ain't yours. Tags out. Heart start beating fast. <laughs> Brain starts telling your feet, man, slow it up. Ease up on that gas now. I wasn't talking to everybody. Only those who know what I'm talking about. <laughs> your eyes look down to the speedometer to ensure that you're getting to the right speed. You're looking through your rearview mirror to see, amen, if he, if he caught anything. See, the police's presence has produced in you a healthy reverence for the law. When an officer is present, drivers adjust to the law because they respect the authority. Driver may not like the authority, may not want the authority, might even be rebellious against the authority, but he still respects it. What would most people think about a person speeding 90 miles an hour when they see a police? They would call him a fool. Because the driver is not showing reverence for the law. Many Christians live their lives according to their own law. Come on, somebody. Because they don't respect God's law. They, watch it, they don't acknowledge his rule. They don't have him rule over all their lives. They, just as a driver should fear the authority of a police officer, whether they see him or not, a Christian should show reverence for the true God and fear him, watch this, and acknowledge his authority because truly fearing God is the reverence point where each Christian goes and get involved in life and understands that there are rules to living. I want to say to somebody here today, you got to start respecting the law of God's word. You got to start re respecting the law of God's kingdom. Because if you want to rise, you can't do it according to your own understanding. You got to do it according to the word of God and what he places in your life. Amen and amen. Give God a hand clap.